All right, guys. Y'all ready? All right, we're going to wrap up El Shaddai tonight. So we're going to cover a couple chapters here in uh, Genesis, finish out the book, and uh, then we'll start moving on into Jehovah. Okay, so let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for giving me utterance. Father, give each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word. Help us to understand how much you love us and how much you want to supply us with more than enough. How much you want to be El Shaddai, the God that's just looking out for us and making our life better in every area. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Exodus 6 and verse 1. See, now, we've been starting here for a while, but we're actually going to catch up to it here in a couple weeks where we'll actually be in Exodus 6. But... (laughs) But Exodus 6, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now thou shalt see what I'll do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand he shall let them go. With a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty or El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah I was not known to them. So up until this point when he's talking to Moses, the only way he's revealed himself was El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is the Almighty God who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. Yeah, oh, sorry. Toward you is, yeah, toward you is, the, and then yeah. So go ahead, a couple more. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have gave you the, like the class on it. I just I thought you knew. Yeah, you're so high tech. You work for one of those tech companies too, don't you? There. You. All right, so. We've been uh, looking at this, and we're all the way up through the end of Joseph here, which kind of coincides with Jacob. And it's uh, we said this before that isn't it interesting that God calls Jacob after he named changed his name to Israel, he's still calling him Jacob all the way to Exodus six. When he said, "No more will you be called Jacob," but Jacob kept jumping back into supplanter. I'm the tail. I'm the heel catcher, and he never did make that full jump. He never could actually get to where he could see himself. Because he could only see himself as the God or the prince who has power with God and had prevailed. He couldn't really see himself as that. Do you understand? It was his choice, but he just could never get that in his head that, hey, I'm a prince with God and I prevailed over him. See, a lot of how else should I show up in your life is how you perceive yourself. God's made you a king and a priest, but sometimes we have a hard time seeing that because we see all the junk in our life. We know where we met. God said, no, God don't see that. He saw... Jacob as a prince who had power with him and prevailed over him. Yet Jacob could never see himself. He could never make that switch in his mind. So he's always having to deal with evil and adversity and affliction his whole life. Great grief. He never could fire at all his covenant on all eight cylinders just because he could never see himself how God saw him. That's sad. We don't want to make that same mistake. No, whatever your issues are, God doesn't give a rip about them. Jesus are, that's why he sent Jesus to take care of all that stuff. Don't don't let you how you perceive yourself. You need to see yourself how God sees you. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 45, and we'll just hit a couple couple of these. Uh, we'll back up just a little bit, hit a couple highlights running into it. So Genesis 45 and verse 9. This is Joseph telling his brothers to go back and get Jacob. And he said, Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down now to me and tarry not. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near unto me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And I will nourish thee there, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that they have come to poverty. Behold, 
Your eyes see and the eyes of Benjamin, my brother, see that it is my mouth that speaks unto you. Not making this up, but how long were they supposed to come down there for? Five years. So I don't remember that five years. Then in Genesis 46 and verse 1, this is after Israel, Jacob, he, he, he sees it. Now he's, he's acting as Israel in this verse, and then he switches right back to Jacob. So now he's, oh yeah, covenant God. So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba, and he remembers his covenant because that's where Abraham lived, remember? And he offered sacrifices unto God, the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob. So, you know, so he's still not getting it. You know what I mean? So when God shows up, he already changed his name. Uh, you know, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. And he said, here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for there I'll make you a great nation. And I will go down with thee into Egypt. And I will also surely do what? Bring thee up again. So was he supposed to stay there? No. He's supposed to come on back out of there. He said, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. So we saw that Joseph said, come on down. The invitation was for five years. I'll take care of you for five years. Then God says, go on down there. I'll be with you. I'll make you a great nation. Then I'll bring you on back up again. Okay, so now go to Genesis 47 and verse 27. This is kind of where we left off last week. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So did God go down there with them? That was the first thing. I'll go with you. Yep, check. Will I make you a great nation and multiply? Yep, check. Oh, and I'll bring you back again. Uh, and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. Uh, nope, that one didn't make it. Well, two out of three ain't bad, is it? You know. No, so he's down there for 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, in verse 29, If now I have found grace in your sight, I pray thee, Put thy hand under my thigh. Deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but that I will lie with my fathers, and you should carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And then he said, No, I just can't take your word for it. He said, So swear unto me. And he swore unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. In Genesis 48 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things. Now here's Jacob making Joseph swear to him that he'll go bury him somewhere. Hey. If it, I mean, is it too late for him to go on and get home now? He's still got some life left into him. Instead of making J Joseph come and swear that you'll take me home, why don't you just get up on the chariot and get on out of there right now? I, I know you're 17 years late, but, you know, better late than never. Instead of saying, well, you know, that's it. My life's over. This is in Genesis 48, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and one told Jacob, there's another one, you know, I guess his bedside nurse or whatever, and said, hey, behold, thy son Joseph comes to you. And so Israel strengthened himself, and he sat up in the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty, who's that? El Shaddai. El Shaddai appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Well, he remembers that. Well, that was a long time ago. How'd that work out? Not too good. All right, but whose choice was it? His. And he said unto me, Behold, I'll make thee fruitful and multiply thee. This is El Shaddai talking. A character of God, more than enough. I will make of thee a great multitude of people, and I'll give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine as Reuben 
and Simeon, they shall be mine. Now, did you catch that? He's, get, he's given the grandbabies an equal portion of the inheritance with Reuben and Simeon and Judah and Levi and all those other cats. Just as if it was his own two kids. Uh, that's cool for them. How do you know that ain't too cool for Reuben? Hey, wait a minute. Joseph had one share and now he's getting two shares? Uh-huh. He said, And at thy issue, which thou begattest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after thy name of their brethren in their inheritance. See that they're going to have an equal share in the inheritance. And as for me, when I came down from Paddan Aram, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan. Who'd she die by? Jacob said she died by me. He finally figured it out. I killed her when I said, whoever has your gods, Laban, let them die. He finally figured, Rachel died by me. See, he's at the end of his life, so now he's going to start taking responsibility. I mean, if he started taking responsibility and figured this stuff out along the way, he wouldn't be sitting there, an old man, all dim, beat down, and, and you know, telling Pharaoh, oh, remember that? What did he tell Pharaoh last week? We said, few and evil are my days. You know, if you had some more, maybe if you reflected a little better on the way, you wouldn't be, you know, had the problems that you had. But now he's figuring it out. Rachel died by me. And uh, yet there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. So I buried her there in the way at Ephrath, which is the same as Bethlehem. Where did he bury her? On the way. I want you to remember that. Just put that on the back burner. And remember that Rachel didn't get buried with all the other covenant patriarch spouses. Okay, so he's, he's figured out a, a, quite a, a lot of stuff here over the course of his 147 years. Remember, Rachel was never a fan of the covenant. Yeah, remember that? Not a, not a fan of El Shaddai, a fan of them little you know Buddhas or whatever they had going there, right? And so in verse eight it said, "And Israel beheld Joseph's sons, and he said, Who are these?' Well, well the old man's losing it. We just got done telling me you're going to make my sons you know the same as, but no." He's, what he's doing, he's entering into a formal ritual of blessing them and bringing them into the will. If you will. This is their version of he's writing them into the will. Okay, so he said, who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, these are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see... And Joseph brought them near unto him, and he kissed him, and he embraced him. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now who's he acting at now? What's his name? What's his name? Who's he being referred to as? Israel. He's now acting as the covenant patriarch Israel. He ain't acting as Jacob right now. He's got his, he's got his covenant helmet on, or his little covenant thinking cap, or whatever, you know, his cloak of covenant. He's acting as Israel. Because how many know, I don't really want to get blessed by Jacob. Could you put your Israel coat on, and then you could bless me? Clark Kent not helping me. I want Superman. See, so he's just, okay. So, and Israel said unto Joseph, or now the eyes of Israel, okay, Israel said unto Joseph in verse 11, I'm sorry, I had not thought to see thy face. How many know that's true? He was running around his boxers for 22 years grieving because Joseph sure doubtless has been rent unto pieces. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. You never thought that you'd see my face. And lo, God has showed me you and your seed as well. You got to see the grandbabies. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. Listen, he couldn't even barely believe that God would let him see Joseph again. El Shaddai, over the top, more than enough. He wasn't even believing for that. Not only did God give him that, he let him see his, kid, his kids' kids. He got to see two generations. See, over the top, God's more than enough. 
How many know it would have been enough? It would have been enough. He even said it. So it's enough for me to see Joseph. But no, God's over the top. I'll let you see the grandbabies too. More than enough. It's God's character. Even on something simple like that. Every chance God gets, He wants to show up more than enough in your life in every detail. Every single detail. More than enough. He doesn't want lack anywhere in your life. How many know this is this would be this is an emotional lack that he couldn't see his kid? Right? It's not, it's not a physical lack. And it's not a spiritual one. It's an emotional one. Here's God showing up and helping him emotionally. And, and not only that, I'm going to give you some extra. How many know that's pretty cool that God deals with that area of your life as well as all the other ones? He don't want Jacob being depressed for 22 years. It's a good thing for him to see not only his kid, but his grandkids. And so in verse 12, Joseph brought them out from between his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand. And he brought them near him. See, he's setting up the oldest one to get the right hand blessing and the youngest one would get the left hand. But watch this. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph, and he said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long until this day, the angel, capital A, who's that? Who's the one that wrestled with him? Jesus. The angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads. Now, first off, did the angel redeem Jacob from all evil? No, because Jacob kept going back into evil. But now he's acting as his covenant. Hey, I'm, I'm, he, redeemed me, he redeemed me from my evil. I didn't accept it. But he knows he did. And not only did he say it, he said, who's the one that he's, he's telling blessed the lads? He's telling the angel that redeemed me from evil, Jesus blessed the lads. Not me. Jesus blessed the lads. How many know Jesus is the one that redeems all the planet from all evil? This is prophecy going on right here. And let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand upon Ephraim, it displeased him. So he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head and put it on Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto my father, not so, or said unto his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a great people. But Ephraim, the older one, or the younger one, shall be great. And truly his younger brother shall be greater than him. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day. Now, you know, Jacob knows something about being the younger one, getting the better blessing. He had to steal his. This time he's just giving it out. All right. He said, blessed him that day, that in thee all shall Israel bless, saying, God maketh the Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of our fathers. Who? Who's supposed to go back now? Yeah, Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh, he's supposed to take them all out of here. See, he realizes, I blew it. God told me to get out of here, and, and now I'm going to die. He blesses them, and he passes on all the blessing of the covenant. It's basically the same wording that God gave Abraham, that God and Abraham gave Isaac, that Isaac and God gave Jacob. Now he's passing it on to Joseph and his kids. 
Did Joseph miss it? Yeah, he missed it. He didn't leave. Joseph is 56 years old at this time. He's been in power since he was age 30. He lives till he's 110. He's only mid, he's a really midlife. He's got 54 more years. Now, you're the man. Are you going to leave up out of there? I mean, you're the man. Like This is like Green Acres. Are you going to leave your Park Avenue you know, spot and then go back out to the desert? You know what, God, I don't really want that land that you promised my fathers. They can have it. That's not Joseph's home, is it? No, it hadn't been his home. 17 years old, he got torn out of there. The only life he really knows as an adult is what he's at. See, Joseph could uh, Joseph dropped the ball on this one. I mean, if he left and, and the gravy train stopped for all the other ones, I mean, no, they're going with Joseph. He's the one that's been feeding them all this time, 17 years. If Joseph cut them off and he packed up and he said, we're out of here, they all would have left. Here's Israel telling him, get out of here. See, we look at this, we go, oh, yeah, see, look, God promised to take them out, but you know they had to stay in slavery for 435 years so God could show himself strong. No, that's stupid. They could have bypassed all that. Decisions that you make will affect other people in other generations, not just naturally. It will affect your kids and your grandkids and so on. But also, how I many you know spiritually it's going to affect the next generation? And we are reaping what our spiritual ancestors have done in the body of Christ, and that's why we're in the fix we're in right now. Don't hate them, but, you know, really, guys, you didn't help us out any. There's a few of them along the way, you know, did. And then what happens? Man gets involved in it, and we get, you know, egos and politics and try to manipulate people, and we don't really believe God's our source, and they don't really have a revelation that God's El Shaddai for them. And so they manipulate the body of Christ, and that's why we're in the fix we're in. I don't know how we got off on that. So in verse 21 it said, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Now watch this. Moreover, I have given thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the land, out of the hand of Amorite with the sword and with my bow. <laughs> How many know Joseph deserves it? All the junk that he went through, plus he saved their heinies. Don't you think he deserves one? That's what he gave it to Ephraim and Manasseh. gave him one extra portion. How many of the brothers ain't too happy about that? Because who doesn't need it more than anybody else? Joseph don't need it. Joseph's richer than all them cats. He don't need a double portion. If anything, they're thinking he should be giving us more. Right? Well, God, that's just not fair. That's how God works. Faithful, you get more. He said he'll take it, take whatever little that unfaithful people had and give it to the faithful person who's got more. Remember the Powerball, the talents? The guy had five talents, and he went out and worked, and they got ten talents, and the other guy had four, two talents, and he got four talents, and the one buried it. He said, take it from him, give it to the one with the ten. Well, that's not, that's not man's thinking. Man's thinking is that guy with the ten should at least give one or two to the guy with only one. That's compassion. That's how God works, isn't it? No, it's the exact opposite of how God works. He's not need-driven. Joseph, remember? He took, not only took all their money, then he took all their cattle, then he took all their lands, and then he said, y'all sell yourselves as slaves and I'll feed you. Remember that from last week? That's the character of God. When you're faithful, 
He's over the top with you with more than enough. People won't like it, so what? It's available to them. All they have to do is be faithful. Don't you be embarrassed or feel bad that God's blessing you with more than enough? And don't you feel like you got you're guilty that you got to give to so and so because they're no no no. If it's guilt, it ain't it ain't from God anyway. It's available to them to get more than enough, just like it is for you. And you know all the faithfulness and all how you had to hone in on your covenant and refuse evil and choose good and all the stuff that you have to do to stay on top of that, just to you know to where God shows up to be more than enough. That's available to them. Don't you feel guilty? Because they're not experiencing it. They're making choices on their own. They pick evil. They refuse their covenant. Or they don't have, God's not even on their radar screen. But they'll try and work you for whatever blessings that God's given you. Don't, don't fall for it. But I don't mess you up, won't it? Now watch this in Genesis 49. Here's the reading of the will, right? Everybody's all gathered around. He's about to die. Joseph comes in with his kids. You know, and he gets a super mega, you know, great blessing. Plus, he gets a double shot of him. Now, everybody's... You know, remember that video, uh, the, the commercial where the guy speed fast forward through the wheel of the videotape till he got to hear what he got? You know, Aunt Sissy... Anyone hear what he got? That's what these guys are doing. They can't wait to hear what they're getting. Watch this. So, now, now Jacob... Guess what? He ain't Israel in chapter 49. Oh, it's going south already, boys. He put his Jacob hat back on. And he called unto his sons and he said, Gather yourselves together that I may bless you. Is that what he said? No, that I may tell you what's going to befall you. Uh-oh. That don't sound like anything good here. Befall me? In the last days? What, are you kidding me? You don't, uh, No, you're about to die. You should be telling us good stuff. Bless you, love you, all that. No, he's like, gather yourselves together and I'm going to tell you what's going to befall all y'all. Now, look, he's not doing them any great service. He finally got, you know, some backbone on his deathbed. However, if he had done this when they were little, he wouldn't have to be doing befallings right now. He could be doing blessings on all of them. But he didn't take care of business as a father all through that whole time they were growing up. They were running wild. Y'all remember? Because watch, now he's going to go back and remember all the stuff. All the stuff that he just let go, now it's all going to come back out. So gather yourselves together and hear ye, sons of Jacob. And hearken unto Israel, your father, Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Well, this doesn't sound too bad, does it? You're unstable as water. Uh, thanks, Dad. Oh, and, and you shall not excel. Because you went up to, my, to your father's bed and defiled it, and you went up to my couch. Remember when he slept with Zilpah? You all remember that? He didn't say nothing about it. And we made fun of him for just letting it go and not really saying nothing about it. He never hit it at all. Remember, Jacob, that's his personality. He isn't going to go deal with anything. He runs from Laban. He runs from Esau. He doesn't talk about anything bad. Oh, heads in the sand, all that. How did it work out for him? Not too good. So now at the end, he's going to take his shot. How many know he's not really doing anybody any good now in your deathbed to take your shots at Reuben? He should have corrected the problem way back when, when it happened. You're unstable as water. You won't excel. Simeon and Levi, our brethren. Do you remember Simeon and Levi? These are the guys that went up to Shechem and told the whole city, circumcise yourself, and then they came and killed them all? Mm. He didn't say nothing about that either, except I look bad in front of the neighbors. I got bad press out of that deal, guys. That's what Jacob's response was. I look bad. Not you did wrong. He said, I look bad. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Oh, my soul, come now... Come not thou into their secret. 
unto their assembly, mine honor. Be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man. Well, that's understatement. They slew an entire city. And in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce. Yep. And their wrath, for it was cruel. Correct. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. What he's saying is, you boys are separated in the inheritance. You have this county over here and you have that county over there, but you can never get together. You keep you two apart. Well, how many know that would have been more effective, you know, back in the day and not now when everybody's, you know, 60 years old instead of when they were 20? Verse 8. Judah. Now watch this because it all changes right here. Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. That's all the other tribes. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Who's he talking about? Who will rule forever? The scepter is the symbol of authority. Who's going to be the king forever? It will never depart from him. Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Who's he talking about? The Lion of Judah. He's prophesying. Here he is telling him who's going to... He's, he's telling the bloodline of the covenant. He said, Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, until him shall the gathering of the people be. In case you were wondering, who's going to be the gathering of the people? Who's going to gather them all together at the end? Jesus. Binding his foal until the vine and his ass's colt until the choice vine... Who, who, rode a, who rode the colt, an ass's colt? And Jesus, oh yeah. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Who bled out for us? Jesus. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. So right here in the middle of, you know, telling these guys what's going to be fun. How many you know Judah was no prize either? Remember Tamar? You know, go out, you know, the sons and Hooker and it was his daughter-in-law and, you know, no, but it's the bloodline of Jesus. So guess what? <laughs> he don't say anything about how great he's going to be. What's he talking about? He talks about how great Jesus is going to be coming out of the bloodline. Zebulun, in verse 13, shall dwell at the haven of the sea. Now, if I had to pick one, I'm like, I'm with that guy. Because look, he said, you shall be a haven for all the ships, and your border shall be undesired. And hey, we get the coastal property. You know, Zebulun was quiet the whole time. Wasn't he? I mean, you never heard anything about. He's one of the, you know, the under the radar sons. That worked out pretty good. He got the beach house. Give me the beach property, Dad. I like it. Issachar is a strong ass. Yeah. Okay. Couching down between two burdens. This is the workhorse. He saw that rest was good. How would you like that? Your dad on his dying bed. Issachar, you strong ass. Couching down between two burdens. He saw that rest was good and the land was pleasant and he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. You know, tribute is taxes. He said, you sick-headed donkey. Your whole life you'll just work and you'll work and you'll work and you're only going to be working to pay off your taxes. This is a covenant patriarch. This is a lot of people in the body of Christ. Dan, in verse 16, shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. 
Dan shall be a serpent by the way and an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels so that his rider shall fall backwards. So Dan is the tribe of trial lawyers. Well, you know, they'll be rich. Don't worry about it. He said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall overcome him. Well, that's not a good thing to hear from your dad on his deathbed. But eventually, you'll overcome them at the last. Out of that other guy, his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties. That other guy, all he's doing is making you know, pastries in the palace. He said, you're going to be on the kitchen staff of royalty. That's all the hire you'll get in life is you do KP duty in a palace. Correct. Naphtali is a hind let loose and he gives goodly words. So he's like Bambi running through the forest. Sashaying. Like George when he was the hand model. Verse 22. Now, don't you think Joseph had enough blessing? Now they're getting late. Oh, we're all getting hammered. Let's see what Joseph gets now. All right, Joseph, you thought you're all big now. Look, daddy's not mad. I mean, he's not too happy right now. He's angry. He's got his angry head on. Here it comes. He said, Joseph is a fruitful bow. Now, in the Hebrew, that means firstborn son. He just told him Joseph's getting the birthright. Shocker. Even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. He'll be a fruitful firstborn son. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Who were those guys? His brothers. With brothers like that, who needs enemies? He said, but a bow abode in his strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God. Who's that? El Shaddai. The mighty God of Jacob. And is thence the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, that's El Shaddai, who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above, the blessings of the deep that lieth under. What's that? Coal, oil, natural gas, gold, diamonds, and a whole bunch of other stuff that we don't even know about. Who knew that even sand, right? Silicon Valley? How expensive is that now? Silicone. It's just sand. Blessings of the breast and blessings of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. That means all the other of his kids. The blessings of your father prevailed over you over the blessings of your really your brothers and sisters. To the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. He said, Joseph, you're going to be blessed so much, the everlasting hills. There's no in- infinity plus one is what he's saying. You're going to be blessed to infinity plus one. And they shall be on the head of Joseph, all these blessings to infinity plus one, and on the crown of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. Oh, man, ain't know these brothers. It's just getting bad to worse for these guys. First he got double inheritance. Then he got the covenant blessing. And now you're telling him blessing to infinity plus one will be on his head? We should have killed him instead of selling him into slavery. Verse 27, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. That ain't too bad, is it? In the morning you'll devour the prey, and at night you'll divide the spoil. That ain't bad. Benjamin, I guess he was an R.A. kid, right? And all these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this it is that their father spake unto them and blessed them 
everyone according to his blessing, he blessed them. How many know there wasn't too much blessing going on there? And he charged them and said, I am gathered, I am to be gathered unto my people and bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan. In case you didn't get it, I broke it all the way down to the nearest zip code, which Abraham bought from the field of Ephron, the Hittite, for a possession in a burying place. And there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. And there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried who? He f- Where did Rachel get buried? On the road. Like some possum that got run over. Who was the covenant wife? The one that, he, that, that was despised. The one that, remember? That was not the one he wanted. Who's the one that got buried with Patriot? It was Leah. He's finally learning, but he learned too late. He couldn't get his act together until the end. Don't make the same mistakes that he did. The purchase of the field and of the cave is therein from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Genesis 50 and verse 1. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and he wept upon him and kissed him. None of the other boys did. Did you notice that? They're probably still, you know, sulking over whatever, you know, he said to them. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel, and forty days were fulfilled for him. So there are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. The Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. Jacob was 147. Joseph is 40 or 56 years old. He's still in charge. He told the state physicians, Pharaoh's doctors, embalm him. Then he laid in state for 40 days. They put him in the rotunda. You know, put it on C-SPAN and CNN and Fox. You know, and, you know the bagpipes played. You know, the Scottish Egyptians. Does Joseph still have some juice? Absolutely. Now look, all those guys, Reuben's 62. Those guys are in their late you know, 50s and early 60s, except for Benjamin, he's 49. And in verse 4 it said, When the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If I have now found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father, swear unto me, saying, Lo, I die in my grave which I have digged before me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I'll come back again. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, according as he has made you swear. This is an ample opportunity for Joseph to cut ties with Egypt and do what Israel, during the covenant blessing, told him God wanted him to do, which was go back to the land of your father. He's going. Now's a great time to just, you know, go and not come back. Do you notice Pharaoh didn't say, go and come back? He said, go and bury your father according as he made you swear. Joseph was the one that said, I'll go and come back. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh. How many? 
Uh, and the elders of his house. And the, that's Pharaoh's house. The elders of Pharaoh's house. And all the elders of the land of Egypt. So the Congress went, right? The Senate and the House and all the Supreme Court justices. This is a, the state funeral is going on a road trip to the desert of Canaan. They don't even do this for Pharaohs when they die. They don't like travel them, you know, halfway across the planet. They just stick them in the pyramid. Bloop, there you go. They did their 40 days. Now they're doing this thing. They're do, taking this thing on parade. And all the house of Joseph, in verse 8, and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. I don't know who was babysitting, but whatever. And there went up with them both chariots and horsemen. And it was a very great company. So now we got a military escort too. A very great company. This is a big cloud of dust on that road. And when they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation, and he made a mourning for his father another seven days. Enough already. Put the guy in the cave. Quick, roll, you know, come on. How much wall-to-wall coverage do we have to have of this state funeral business? I mean, 40 days in Egypt, then we did this parade. I mean, it probably took them two weeks to get up there. Now we have another seven days once we got there, and a great lamentation. I mean, you know, that wear on you after six weeks of grieving at a funeral. And when the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atta, they saw this show, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Miseram. I'll be miserable. Which is beyond Jordan. This is such a big show that the natives there, I mean, all the Canaanites are like, wow, this guy was something. I mean, that's an ample opportunity for Joseph and his brothers to set up shop again. We're something. Here we are. And his sons did according did to him according as he commanded them, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, buried him in the cave in the field of uh, Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession, in the burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And then highlight this part. And Joseph did what? Returned into Egypt. He just missed God right there. Why, 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 why would you go back? It's a great life. I mean, for him to not go back, he would have really had to believe that God was El Shaddai again. How many years has it been since he's been in power? 26 years. 26 years. How many know in that amount of time? Be careful because when you come into your inheritance and you're, and you're riding out, pretty soon you don't have to trust God anymore for stuff. When he's, in, when he's a slave, when he's a prisoner, El Shaddai, no problem. I got to, he's the only shot I have at prospering. Even at the beginning... When he was prime minister, now he only got seven years to make this thing happen because in seven more years when the famine comes, they're going to find out whether he's the real deal or not. Now you're in the middle of the famine. He's got to believe God else. So now, you know, he's, then his family comes. Famine's over. Crisis is over. Everything's great. Joseph's a hero. He's still the main guy. And years go by. Now he don't have to worry so much about El Shaddai. In fact, he's snared. He's snared by... His power, the trappings of it, the finances, 
all the good on the good list. Now he's got he's changed his focus. El Shaddai is not his focus anymore. The good list was his focus, and now it's got him. All that stuff that's on the now he's doing whatever he can to hold on to that instead of believing God. Just a quick step, and now he's entra- he's entrapped and he's ensnared, and it messed up this people for four hundred years. What a waste. Because he's still got a long life ahead of him. He's only 56. Even by our standards today, he's got a long life ahead of him. Now's a good time for a second career. Go and buy that Corvette you always wanted. You can have your midlife crisis. Get out of this prime minister in business. How I many know he's got plenty of wealth? Jacob had plenty of wealth. The kids, his brothers had plenty of wealth. Plus, they still got wealth. You know, they got lands and stuff that was up. You know, he built that house at Sukkos. That's up there. What are you worried about? You know, because it's out of your comfort zone. Uh oh. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father. And after he had buried his father, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, these guys are so sharp, it took them till now to see that their father was dead. Oh, jinky scoop, I don't know what was going on. Hey, daddy's dead. Yeah, it's been six weeks. Maybe you guys should put the keg down. And they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. And he will certainly requite us with all the evil we did unto him. And they sent a messenger, sissies, unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying... Now, they were all standing there when he died. And they were standing there when he read the will and he did all the blessing and the commanding and the whoop will befall. They were all there. This is a lie. If, God, if Jacob wanted to tell Joseph something, don't you think he would have told Joseph something? He wouldn't have told his brothers to tell, send a messenger to tell him something, would he? That doesn't make, I mean, it's like, guys, you haven't learned anything. It, it, at least show up yourself and, you know, just apologize. Don't make it like Dad said. Thy father did command before dying, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did evil unto thee. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants unto God thy father. And Joseph just wept when they started speaking to him. He's like, oh my goodness, please already, boys. What? They're not even man enough to go apologize with this little subterfuge that they got, you know. So, I mean, it's just like, 40 years too late, boys. But 39, anyway, I'm mean, 56 years old. They threw him, did all this when he was 17. Man, oh, Shevitz. And in verse 18, he told his brethren, he also went and he fell down before his face, and he said, Behold, they, 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 they groveled in front of him. Behold, we be thy servants. Kissing his sandals and all that junk. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And we saw this before, that Hebrew word meant is plate or fold back. What you thought for evil to me, you meant evil to me, God folded it back for good. God folded it back, and now it's good, so don't sweat it. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto him. Now I used to think, well, isn't that Joseph just so great, I'll nourish you. Dude, get off the ego trip. God told you, and your daddy told you, get out of here and go home. You told them 17 years ago, I'll nurse you for five years. Get off the Messiah complex. You don't need to keep the welfare train going. 
Why is he telling them, I'll nourish you? There are 11 guys in their 50s and 60s. Why can't they nourish themselves? Why does he have to do it? Because he's the big man. Well, you know what, Joseph? You ain't got to be the big man. I got relatives that are like that, always trying to fix everybody's problem. And Man, I love them. But you know what? You don't have to fix everybody. You ain't Jesus. Joseph ain't Jesus. Why are you trying to be El Shaddai? He's not El Shaddai. Why are you trying to be El Shaddai for them? See, if they don't get the covenant for themselves, this is the problem. Joseph was the one that had the covenant working for him. Now he's going to take it out of his you know, kindness of his heart. He's thinking he's being compassionate. He's going to take care of them. They never actually learned the covenant and learned to depend on God. They'll just depend on Joseph. Is that helping them any? It's hurting them. Because they're not teaching their kids or their kids' kids El Shaddai in the covenant, and that gets them in that mess now. Pretty soon we're in slavery. We're going to see that in the next couple of weeks. Now all of a sudden, they're in a big fix. And, I mean, they don't own nothing. They went from rich and Joseph nourishing them. They forgot all about their covenant to being owned, owning nothing, and getting beaten. And slaves in a matter of a couple of generations. Lost it all. I know we have an urge and an urgency to help people in need on the inside of us. And I'm not telling you not to help them, but help them in a way that will make their life better. You help them understand what their covenant is. You help them hear from God and do. You help them understand how to walk in faith. You don't do it for them. You can't feed them. Because the Bible says, I've never seen the offspring of the righteous, people in covenant, begging for bread. If someone comes to you begging for bread, that's somebody who does not understand their covenant because they don't believe God will show up and meet their needs. You're not helping them if you give them the bread. What you need to do is help them teach them the covenant. There are leeches in the body of Christ that will suck any kind of resources out of you and then they'll twist it and manipulate it and make you feel like, well, you're not compassionate unless you're... Listen, you want to help them? Teach them the covenant. You want to help them? Show them how to live by faith. You want to help them? Teach them who El Shaddai is. Don't do it for them because it ain't helping them. You're hurting them. You're enabling them. It's like giving you know, money to a drug dealer or a drug user. No, you know what? Don't do that. Get him in rehab. Pay for his rehab if you want to help him. Don't give him money to go buy more drugs. It's the same thing with this whole faith walk. If you show up and be God for somebody, they can never experience God being the source of their supply for themselves. And they're and they're just be dwarfed their whole life. They'll never grow up past being a baby. In verse twenty two, and Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. So that's his great grandkids. And the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, which were brought up upon Joseph's knees. Now Joseph, notice this, dies before his brothers. He wastes his life early because he's so busy taking care of them that he wastes his life taking care of them. He shouldn't have died at 110. And he certainly shouldn't have died before those other skulls. I mean, those knuckleheads were doing, you know, all kind of nonsense. So look in verse 24. 
And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from thence. And Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Sound like the same exact junk that Jacob told him. You go, God will, you get out of here, and you take my bones with you. They didn't listen. Joseph didn't listen. Joseph was the only shot they had at getting out of He was the only one that actually did ever pay any attention to the covenant. Now you're going to turn around to these knuckleheads and tell them, go on back. Gravy train's over. It's a little late. And this is the setup for where the children of Israel end up being in bondage for 400 years. And now we've got a big fight to get out of slavery. But this is, this is an example. It says that this is an example in Corinthians of what our lives are like. Be careful because we're only a half a heartbeat away from putting ourselves into bondage under the world system. The second you get your eyes off God, it starts going down that path. The second you stop believing El Shaddai will show up and take care of all your stuff, we start going down that path. And it'll take a while. It'll take a while. You'll think everything's all good to go, and you know, I'm not, it's just little changes and little changes. The next thing, it's a slippery slope. Before you know it, now you've got a huge fight. Whether it's sickness in your body, you know, your finances, whatever it is, you'll find yourself, all of a sudden you'll wake up and you'll be like, it's over my head. I can't handle this anymore. Now we've got a big fight. So I'm always saying, you, nip it. As soon as something shows up in your body, you're on it immediately. Sniffles, whatever, zit, I don't, however small it is, the second you notice it, start talking to that thing and telling it, no, I don't do that. No, I'm healed. Same thing in your finances. The second, the very second that you notice you ain't got enough coming up at the end of the month. No, we don't do that. We don't do lack. Checkbook, I call you full, and then tell it how full you want it to be. Give it, throw a number out there. Don't just say get full. Well, I mean, if it's one penny, full is two pennies. Now it's twice as full as it was when it was one penny. Do you understand? Years I'm saying get full, get full, get full. Get full of what? Get full of money. How much? This is what I need. Now money show up. The second, because if you don't, next thing you know, you're going to have this huge mountain of debt. You don't know where it's, I mean, and it's overwhelming. And then what do we do? File bankruptcy, I guess. That's man's system. And now you're stuck in man's bondage. And you'd be like, God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. That's what we do. Joseph put these people on that path. Joseph. Oh, he was so promising when it started out. He was on top of his game. But somewhere along the line, we get comfortable and we get happy. And when you do make it, then all of a sudden we stop focusing on El Shaddai. We stop focusing on the covenant. And we start getting comfortable. And it's a slippery slope down to where it's a big mess and you're in bondage. It takes discipline, and I'm going to tell you, it takes more work to stay on top of your game when everything's going good than it does when it's going bad. It's easy to start commanding stuff when it's bad because you've got nothing else to do. I have nowhere else to go. If I'm not using my faith, we've got nothing. That's the only shot we got. But when you're on top, you start thinking, well, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I can handle that, I can handle that. Next thing you know, you can't handle it. That's what happened here. 
Jacob, he never, he never could see himself in that spot. Joseph did, and he got there, and then somewhere along the line, it just kind of... Whoop. Now watch, as we start this next week, it'll be the transition between El Shaddai and Jehovah when God shows up to Moses and says, I'll get you guys out of this mess. Watch next week when we start looking in Exodus, how many times that those people actually acknowledge that there is even Elohim, let alone El Shaddai. There is no, there's hardly any mention of any God, the one God, the Creator, Almighty God, or a covenant God. None. Not even on His radar screen. mentions it like two times. Two people. Was that God's plan for them to be in that? Nope. Just like it's not His plan for any of us to be in bondage under the world system. These people put themselves there after they were already in covenant. It's our example. Let's not do that. So then we don't have to do all the other garbage of wilderness and all that. See, they couldn't. They never had to have a wilderness experience. They never had to fight for their inheritance. It was already theirs in the beginning to walk in, and they just let it go. That'll be the thing for our next generation, for our kids. You, you understand? Because we're fighting for our inheritance, we'll get it, and then our kids can walk in it and never have to go in the wilderness. They never have to go in bondage. They can just go right on in and stay in it and stay on with God. That's the work that we got cut out for us and our kids' kids if Jesus waits around that long. The way we're going as a church, it'll be a while before He comes back because He's waiting on us to you know, get our act together and have this big revival and all that. You know, if we all got on board with this, Jesus would be back like tomorrow. People are like, no, I don't want that to happen. Don't worry, it ain't. El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He's so over the top. So over the top. Whatever that you can... Let's look at this scripture because I want you to see this uh, over in Ephesians 3. We quote this a lot of times, but we always leave off the last part. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You ever heard that quoted? That's El Shaddai. Now to Him, exceeding abundantly above whatever you can ask or even think. If you can imagine it, He'll double shot you. Bam, bam. You know, Emerald with the bam, kick it up a notch, God will do two. How does He do it? Read the next line. How does He do it? According to the power that works in who? Yeah. If it's not working in you, you're not going to get exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. So you've got to understand, it's the power that's working in on the inside of you. And if you don't work that power, it's not going to be exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. It's going to just putter, put, 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 and then you'd be like, well, that Scripture didn't work. You ever had that Scripture not work in your life? Because you're only thinking about the first half of it. God can do exceeding abundantly. Yeah, He can, according to what? How, by means of what? How's His vehicle to get it there? By the power that works in you. You know what that is? That's you commanding stuff. That's you taking authority and taking control and dominating your situation. That's you refusing evil and choosing good. And you tell whatever circumstances, situations, symptoms, whatever your finances are, now nah, we're not doing that one. We do this one. And you line up with what I'm saying. It's the power that works in me, and God will show up exceeding abundantly, El Shaddai, over the top, double shot, bam, bam, whatever you could ask or think. When you work that power... God's just waiting for you to flip the switch and plug in. 
Remember with Israel? Those guys went two years. Jacob and all his boys went two years into the famine with no food. How long was Joseph already set up before that? That's two years into the famine. He was already seven years in power plus two. Nine years God had already provided for them. Nine years prior. It's already waiting for you. The exceeding abundantly, it's waiting for you to just plug in. He's already got it waiting for you. It's not, oh, God, show up. No, He's waiting for you to show up. When you show up and plug in, it's already there. He's already made the provision in advance. Remember Isaac and Abraham going up? Oh, where God will provide a ram when they're going up to the, uh, do the uh, Isaac was going to get sacrificed. I mean, that, that ram didn't just fly out with a catapult and land on the mountain. It, was, it got stuck in the thicket sometime before they got there. I mean, you know, God wasn't surprised that he needed to have a ram over there. The ram was already there waiting when they came up that hill. It's not on the way. It's already there. Exceeding abundantly, it's already there. Man, he set it up before the planet was even created. Before he spoke it into existence, he had your plan and he had whatever you needed already in place. All you've got to do is hook up with him. Power that works in you, that's where you get exceeding abundantly. That's El Shaddai. And it's available, you know, it was available for Jacob his whole life and he could never, just never make the switch. Just couldn't get it. Joseph plugged in, then he got it, and then at the end he started wavering. He died early, and his great grandkids ended up being in slavery. Not a good way to go out. Probably didn't know about it at the time. I mean, looking back on it, says he joined that great cloud of witnesses. Whoops. Wow, I blew that one. Let's not be like that. Keep your attention on your covenant-making God, your covenant-keeping God, your faithful God. The payoffs are huge. Huge. Man, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. I can think pretty big. I'm big. I'm like chateaus and, you know... Cigarette boats and like whatever your thing is. Think bigger than whatever you're thinking. Then hook up with that power and God will make it even bigger than that. Because remember, what was Jacob thinking? Oh, if I could just see Joseph again. God said, all right, you see Joseph plus his kids. He does one better. He'll always do one. He'll one-up you every time. You know what? Here's, here's our homework challenge, right? Let's just see how far we can get God to one-up. You know... Let's make him work a little bit. With his, he always wants to one up. Let's give him some work. Make him, you know, wow! I got to do some work to one up these guys. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Stop just believing for your bills to get paid. Start believing for your big chateau and whatever it is, and then make him show up, one up you on that. Let's open, get God out of our little box and whatever our little teeny lives are, and let's start making him one up us. Think about that. While you're sitting there and you start thinking, I mean, I like to watch the Travel Channel because it helps me want to, you know, get to that next level. I see some motor coach buses, motor coaches that are better than my house. The granite, you know, countertops and all that, you know, those things are going for like a million five and stuff. It's a bus. Start making God one up, you know. Start expanding stuff. Get, you know, Kimmy gets travel and leisure. Get Forbes magazine. Get whatever. Start looking at this big stuff and start expanding what we can think. 
Because God said, I'll, one up, I'll two up you of what you think, exceeding abundantly above what you could ask or think. And if you're afraid to ask for it, at least think about it. Well, I could never ask for that. Well, think about it. At least think about it. Make El Shaddai El Shaddai. Exceeding abundantly above. Oh, that's good stuff. Go home and watch Travel Channel tonight. There might be some yachts on there or some big mansions. Or I like the yachts. You know what I'm saying? Right, you guys get a yacht. We'll get a bus. You get a mansion. We need a plane. You know what I mean? We'll be all set. I mean, really? Yeah, God wants us to have all that stuff and enjoy all that. He made it so we would, so we'd have life and have it more abundantly. That was Jesus' mission in life. Not just have the Zoe life of God, but have it more abundantly, over the top. This is El Shaddai. God's character. Way more, way more, way more than you could ask or think. Way more. Way, way more. Think of the biggest thing you could think of, times that by 100, and now we might even start getting him to, you know, just kind of, you know, rub this forehead or something a little bit. You know, stretch his neck. Well, now we're getting somewhere. I might have to, you know, mm, let him flex his muscles a little. Make him. Hey, he's dying to do it. He's been waiting to show up big in people's lives since the beginning. That's why he, the first way that he chose to reveal himself to man was as El Shaddai. The guy that will make you rich. Exceedingly abundantly above all. That's, how he, that's the first way that he introduced himself to mankind. First way. That's what the, all of Genesis is him right at the ground floor. God, that's more than enough. Let's get that one down before we move on. Man, that's just so good. I love him so much that he will not be outdone but whatever you can imagine. He won't be outdone. He will not let you outthink, outthink, outbig him. He's not going to let you out, you know, outrich him. And that, no, whatever the max you could think, he'll, he'll, he'll always surpass that. So let's start thinking big and stop thinking little. Big. Big, 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 big. Big. We ain't got no 50-cent God. Isn't that what you like to say? We ain't got no 50-cent God. Shaft that. I'm not, I'm not serving a 50-cent God. He doesn't want you to think of him as a 50-cent God or a $100 God or a million dollars. Big. Big. I saw this week, Exxon profits, $79,000 a minute. I thought, that's all? That's all? $79,000 a minute? How much do you think profit God makes a minute? That's nothing. $79,000 a minute. You start making $100 million a minute, let's start talking. You know God is bigger than that? Bigger than $100 million a minute? That probably doesn't even scratch the surface with God. Laughs at that. I empty my nose at you. <laughs> what? Think, start thinking big. Big. But huge. Big. Steroid. Whatever you got, then put it on steroids. Whatever you can think, put that on steroids. Work it out. Stretch it. This is El Shaddai. This is the end of El Shaddai. I'm just trying to get, you know, this really encapsulates the whole last six months we're talking about. Seating abundantly above anything that you could ask or think. That's him. He's showing up and he wants to do it according to the power that works in you. It's your choice. Amen. Stand to your feet with me and we'll close out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. Thank you for being El Shaddai for us. Seal it in our hearts. Help us to understand that you want bigger and better and the best for us. We're your kids. Thank you for being such a good dad. Now thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.